0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Got another hour to play with. Uh, so far, a pretty good baseball night for the Mets and the Yankees. The night the kids are called up. Two major league debuts for the Yankees. Two base hits in first at-bats. Austin Wells and Jason Dominguez. Dominguez, a two-run homer to left field. A second at-bat, he lined out to left. And for the Mets, Ronnie Mauricio a double in his first Major League at-bat. Brett Beatty back in the bigs. He's batting eighth. He's playing third. He has a hit as well. So the Mets and the Mariners are tied at one in the bottom of the seventh inning. What's going to be overlooked greatly, and already has been, is the season that Kodai Senga has had for the Mets. And another example tonight on just how much of a terrific pitcher this guy is. I mean, the Mariners' lineup, has been the best in baseball over the last three weeks to a month. And Senga, again, seven innings tonight, one run allowed, 12 strikeouts, and two walks. His ERA is now down to 3.08. And when you look ahead to next year, you have Senga, you have Jose Quintana, question mark, question mark, question mark. In an ideal world, and this is easier said than done, But in an ideal world, you would like to bring in at least one starting pitcher who you could slot in above Kodai Senga in the pecking order. But the more and more you watch this guy pitch, and the more he pitches like this, well, he's he's closer to a top-of-the-rotation guy than you think. He's been terrific this season. So clearly he's a building block for this team going into next season. It's kind of the thing, you know, talking about the Knicks, for example. And how do the Knicks become a championship team? Well, it would be great if you could find a guy who you could slot in on the pecking order above Jalen Brunson and have Brunson as your second best player instead of your best and have Julius Randle as your third best player instead of your second best. Yeah, obviously, that would be great. If you could find a guy who's better than everybody on your team and not have to give up, Anybody on your team? Yeah, that would be wonderful. That's easier said than done. Now, it is easier to do in Major League Baseball because in baseball, you just got to sign a free agent pitcher or trade for a pitcher. You don't have to worry about fitting him into a salary cap. You don't have to worry about sending back the same amount of money and salary. You could just sign that guy or you could just trade for that guy if you could find him and plug it in on top of his rotation. But Sang has been terrific this season. As far as the Yankees go, they lead the Astros now 5-1 to one in the bottom of the third inning. Carlos Rodon looks pretty good again. He's looked solid his two starts back off of his latest trip to the injured list. But the story tonight is the home runs off of Justin Verlander. DJ LeMahieu, a leadoff home run. Jason Dominguez, a two-run shot in the top of the first inning. And then Giancarlo Stanton. Now, if you've ever seen Minute Maid Park, and I'm sure you have because the Yankees have played quite a few big games there in recent years, it has a little bit of a band box feel, and they've got those train tracks way out in left field, well beyond the left field home run fence. Well, Stanton just hit a home run to left field over those train tracks, and it slammed off essentially the back wall of the stadium. There's a metal fence protecting the glass windows that are right behind the metal fence. If that metal fence wasn't there, Stanton's home run ball, would have crashed right through one of those glass windows and left the stadium. You know, every once in a while, he shows just how strong of a human being he is. So, so far, so good for the Yankees as they lead the Astros 5-1. to one. You know, I asked this a couple of weeks ago. Does it, does it give fans any extra incentive to see their team play spoiler? And I think that's more motivation for... For the players themselves, especially when you're facing a team like the Astros. You know, I think the Yankees, Aaron Judge, certainly, DJ LeMayhew, Glaber Torres, the guys on this Yankees team with a history against the Astros, yeah, I'm sure they would absolutely love to stick it to them. And the Astros are embroiled in a three-team race for the American League West Championship. I don't think that does much for the excitement of the fans. I don't think anybody's tuning into this Yankee game tonight to see if they could spoil the Astros' chances of winning their division. The only thing I'll leave open for that is I don't think Yankee fans are upset if the Yankees can damage the chances of the Houston Astros. I do think that there's still bad blood there. Tom, that's fair to say, is it not?
2: Extremely fair to say.
1: (laughs) Now, during the break... I told I, I, I mentioned to you in the comments that you have made about this game that it seems like you do not like the Astros. And, and what did you tell me? You said there's mixed feelings? Yeah, mixed
2: feelings. That's a good way to put it.
1: But mixed feelings would imply that there are some positive feelings towards the Astros. Would you care to share what those positive feelings are? Are you a Dusty Baker fan?
2: Uh, not at all.
1: You're not even a Dusty fan. Well, <laughs> I actually like Dusty.
2: <laughs> no, I, I do like Dusty. I will say that. Uh, I like some of their guys that debuted after 2017, like Tucker and Jordan. Those guys are amazing. Um, Dusty, I'm a fan of. I'm just not a fan of by that puts on the Houston Astros uniform. Like, if you were to ask me about the 2005 Astros or something like that, I have a lot of respect for that team, the Killer bees. And that Knight, era.
1: Roger Clemens.
2: And as we're speaking about Kyle Tucker, he yes. just hits a shot into left center field. Well, that we've might...
1: already established so I'm about 15 seconds ahead of you on my uh, prime feed than you are. So we have. That, that's old news to me. Now, of course, it is the Kyle Tucker RBI double. So it's five to two now, as Tucker brings in a run. Um, it does. It does nothing to you that look. 2017 is what it is. I, I, I do believe that they cheated. Um, I don't know that the Yankees would have won the World Series in 2017. I don't know that the Yankees would have beaten the Astros in 2017, but I do believe that the Astros cheated, and it's unfortunate that they cheated and won a World Series. But the fact that they continue to win, they continue to get to World Series and win World Series, that doesn't, in your mind, lessen the impact of whatever cheating they did in 2017?
2: It does, because you know what, you got to move on from it at some point. And you can't use that as a crutch against the Astros entirely, especially after the fact that they just keep dismantling the Yankees on pretty much every single run that they make. So, I mean, clearly they have, quote unquote, a dynasty going in the works if you want to count the first championship. They've got something great. And that, honestly, you got to respect that they've moved on from that. But I'm still going to hate the Astros for as long as they've got some of the current guys that were a part of that team. On their roster, once they're gone, then most of my hate will probably dissipate.
1: They were punished for cheating in 2017, uh, the same year they knocked the Yankees out of the ALCS. And then in 2019, there was that whole thing with Altuve hitting the walk-off home run in Game 6 to end the ALCS and him telling them not to rip off his shirt. And some people thought he had some sort of a buzzer underneath and was cheating again. The one thing I'm pretty certain of is that there was no cheating going on last year in the 2022 ALCS.
2: No, there wasn't cheating then at all. And I I believe there was cheating in 2017, that Jose Altuve home run with the button. I'm skeptical on that, to be honest. But, I mean, the cheating definitely happened. It stings, but you got to move on at some point.
1: Well, when you get punished, caught and punished for cheating as they were in 2017, it leaves you susceptible for rumors and innuendo like the 2019 thing. Because I agree with you. I, I don't know what, if anything, that was. All I know is... He ended that series with that walk-off home run off of Aroldis Chapman. And Chapman, the following year, served up a damaging home run against um, Mike Brasso and Tampa Bay. That was the game-winning home run in Game 5 of the ALDS. So, um, I put that more on Chapman. All right, let's go back to uh, the NFL now. And talking about a lot uh, talking a lot about the jets and the expectations for them. Here's here's how I see the AFC shaking out. I look at the AFC East and I think they put three teams into the playoffs. And the question is, well who doesn't make the playoffs? Well, for me the team that doesn't make the playoffs in the AFC East is the Miami Dolphins. And they could also win the division and I wouldn't be totally shocked. I think it's it's mathematically possible now with the extra wild card team the last couple of years. And, in fact, the NFC East almost put the entire division to the playoffs last season. But it's very, very difficult to put all four teams from the same division into the playoffs. So as I'm looking at the teams that I think are going to get in from the AFC, I've got to leave one out in the AFC East. And to me, it's Miami. And for me, the biggest reason is, well, it's twofold. From the Miami perspective, I'm just not certain – that they're going to get a full, healthy season out of their quarterback. If you can guarantee me that they will, then I put them in the playoffs. But I'm, I'm not even close to certain that they're going to be able to do that. And then the other thing is New England. And everybody has written off New England. Last year, they missed the playoffs. However, if you remember that ridiculous ending against the Raiders when they were lateraling the ball around and they threw it away and they handed the Raiders a victory. If they had just won that game, they would have made the playoffs. So they were good enough to be a playoff team last year with the combination of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge in charge of that team's offense. Now you replace that clown show with Bill O'Brien, who as an offensive coordinator – In New England previously, Alabama has always been successful in that role. And to be honest, Bill O'Brien was a good NFL head coach. Bill O'Brien is kind of a punchline and gets a bad rap and doesn't have the greatest reputation because of the job that he did as general manager of the Houston Texans. But as far as coaching goes, Bill O'Brien is terrific as an offensive coordinator. And, and to me, I'm trying to think what is a bigger upgrade. because And I'm being serious now. Is it a bigger upgrade going from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? Or is it a bigger upgrade going from Matt Patricia to Bill O'Brien as offensive coordinator? I think those are the two biggest leaps in talent in the entire NFL this season. The third one, I will add to that is going from Nathaniel Hackett to Sean Payton as head coach of the Denver Broncos. But the Patricia, who is a defensive coach and incompetent at that, going from him to Bill O'Brien, might be the biggest leap in talent in the NFL. Bill Belichick did not forget how to coach. They have a very good defense. They had a good defense last season. Mac Jones was pretty good at quarterback his rookie year. And then he took a step back. Did he take a step back because he was working under the tutelage of Patricia and Joe Judge? I don't know. But all I do know in football, more than any other sport, coaching matters. Daniel Jones played for Pat Shermer. He played for Joe Judge as his head coach and Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator. And he couldn't even get the team to pick up his fifth-year option. One season playing for Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka, and he's making $40 million a year, more than any other sport. Coaching matters in the NFL. So I put New England and the Jets as wildcard teams. I still think the Bills are good enough to win that division, although I could see – I don't see New England winning the division, but I could see Miami winning the division – And I could see the Jets winning the division. And then the other tough division for me is the AFC North. And Joe Burrow's injury is concerning. It sounds like he's going to be back to play week one. You haven't heard otherwise, but he also hasn't played at all this preseason. So what's the status of that? But I think Cincinnati is, you know, they're the the next team in the AFC as far as I'm concerned. You know, when this whole Kansas City run – Ends, or when they finally take a step back, and it might be this year, because outside of Travis Kelsey and obviously Patrick Mahomes, what are their weapons on offense? Take away Kelsey, and Kansas City has one of the worst receiving groups in the entire NFL. That alone is a testament to the greatness of Patrick Mahomes and to Travis Kelsey. But if they are going to relinquish their throne as the top team in the AFC – the logical successor to that is no longer Buffalo. It is Cincinnati. And the biggest reason for that is Joe Burrow. So I put Cincinnati in the playoffs, and then it's a really tough call for that other wild card spot between the other three teams in the AFC North because I could see them all getting in. I could see Baltimore getting in. I could see Pittsburgh getting in. And I could even see Cleveland getting in. If Deshaun Watson, look, the last time Deshaun Watson played a full season, now this is before all the legal trouble and before missing essentially two and a half full seasons. But the last time he played a full season, he was a top five, top eight quarterback in the entire NFL. He's still in his 20s. Does he still have that level of play in him? Does he have 85% of that level of play in him? Because if he does, the Browns can be really good also. But at the end of the day, I go Cincinnati winning the division, Baltimore as a wild card, Jacksonville winning the AFC South, and Kansas City winning the AFC West. And those are two very easy choices for me. So, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Kansas City as my division winners in the AFC with the wild card teams, the Jets, the Ravens, and the Patriots. Thoughts on that? Who did I get wrong? Who do you disagree with? 1 800 919 3776. Also, we'll go through the NFC and expectations for the Giants here on 987 ESPN New York.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Ronnie Mauricio, a two-hit game in his Major League debut with a double in his first at-bat followed by a single. So he's two for three. Brett Beatty is one for three. Francisco Alvarez, a much-needed base hit for him. He is also one for three. So the Mets and the Mariners in a game that uh, Seattle, well, they're all important for the Mariners down the stretch in that three-way race atop the AL West with the Astros and the Rangers. They're tied at one in the bottom of the eighth inning, bottom of the fourth inning in Houston, and the Yankees already have three home runs, and they lead the Astros 5-2. to Going through my NFL predictions, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Kansas City winning the divisions in the AFC with Rodgers and the Jets, along with Baltimore and New England as the wildcard teams. So you look at those... You look at those quarterbacks. You got Allen, you got Rodgers, Burrow, Jackson, um, Trevor Lawrence, and Patrick Mahomes. That is six top-flight quarterbacks of the seven that I think will get to the playoffs in the AFC. 1-800-919-3776. Back to the phones. Danny on Long Island. Hey, Danny.
0: Good evening. Here we go. Let's get ready for some football. Finally, after the uh, summer of baseball from hell. (laughs) <laughs> but I, uh, I disagree with your prog- I disagree with your prognosis on the Patriots. I'll tell you why. Football has that rotating schedule, and sometimes it's just who you play and where you play them. And the AFC North plays the NFC West, which has one team which has already capitulated, and one a couple other teams that are marginal, and, and then San Francisco. And they're playing the AFC South which has Jacksonville, although they're going to win a division, they're hardly a juggernaut. So those are eight games that Baltimore and Cincinnati and maybe even Pittsburgh are not afraid to play with the exception of San Francisco. So that's I, – I, I can't see three teams coming out of one division because they're going to beat the heck out of each other. For New England, if they split the division and go 3-3, three and three, what does that mean? They have to go 11 and. The rest of the season against the rest of the league—that's not going to happen. They're Wait, not good enough. I don't think Mac Jones is good enough. And Belichick—he was very brilliant with with uh, with Tom Brady. Let's see what happens afterwards.
1: All right. So who do you who do you take out? Who do you put in? You don't think three AFC East teams make it, Danny? Do you think three teams from the AFC North? Because listen, I don't I don't disagree with your premise on the on the schedule for the AFC North. So if 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 you put three teams in from that division, who would who would you put in?
0: Oh, I, 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 I doubt that three teams can make it from the NFC, from the NFC North because if the Ravens and Cincinnati both went win out and have good records in the division, the same situation would exist for the Steelers. If the Steelers go two and four in the division or three and three, you then have to really almost run the table outside of your division, and it's very hard to do. So I look for a team to jump up maybe the Denver Broncos this year, somehow get it straightened out. Or have, or listen, we're leaving out the Chargers, by the way. I, I mean, know. the Chargers are the team that I think are more likely to make the playoffs rather than a third team in the AFC East. I mean, you cannot compare the uh, Patriots roster with that of the Chargers. I don't believe in the coach. I also don't believe in the coach of Buffalo. I think he's a mean. he's a big reason why you're correct in diagnosing as buff as Cincinnati to be the next great team. I think Buffalo, if they don't make a serious playoff run this year and get to the Super Bowl, I think he's fired because that team is undisciplined and their quarterback plays like he's still playing a uh, uh, college football. They have to break him and make him a, a, a drop back passer who runs when needed. Not when he wants to
1: Danny, thanks for the call. He's, agree with that right but he's also still what the highs of josh allen are higher than most on, on any given day he's the best quarterback in the nfl so i still think that buffalo because of josh allen and despite his deficiencies which are caller not not unfairly pointed out i still think that they're the class of the afc east but the gap is certainly closing on them you said that San Diego, San Diego, excuse me, the Chargers have a better roster than the Patriots. I 100 percent agree. The only thing I'll say about that, one is coached by Brandon Staley for now, and then the other is coached by Bill Belichick. That's the end of the story for me. The Chargers thing is a disaster. that this guy I, I, I'm almost rooting for them to not make the playoffs, because the coaching in LA. for the Chargers has been so inept that I, I'm tired of watching this guy coach football games. And I'm also not one of these people who has put Justin Herbert among the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. He throws a really nice ball. He's put up some really good numbers. He's got a good demeanor about him. He's played really well ever since he took over the starting job for that franchise. Can he win something? At a certain point, right, at a certain point, if you're going to be considered – a top quarterback, and he's always lumped in with Josh Allen, who's been to playoffs after playoffs and has gotten as far as the AFC Championship game. Joe Burrow's been to a Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, we know. Lamar Jackson has been an MVP. Um, Trevor Lawrence even won a playoff game last season. Joe Burrow is always listed. It's like Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, and then the next one named is Justin Herbert. Why? He does not belong in that group. And maybe it's because of the head coach. I don't know. I'd love to find out. But I need to see Justin Herbert do something. So I don't think the Chargers make the playoffs this season. You know, there's always one of those teams where everything goes wrong. Everything goes wrong. It's just the season, like our last caller said, it's the baseball season from hell in New York. Every team, excuse me, every year there's a team that has the season from hell. And it's a team that was supposed to be pretty good but then by the end of the season, because of injuries and losing close games and happenstance, they're out of it. Last year, Tennessee was one of those season-from-hell teams. I mean, look at the way their season started. Blowing that game against the Giants, missing a last-second field goal, and then by the end of the year, because their division was so lousy, they still had a chance to win the division, and in the biggest game of the year, they had to start Josh Dobbs. That is the season from hell. In the NFC last year, who had the season from hell? Well, the Rams did. The Rams were coming off of a Super Bowl, and they lost Stafford, and they lost Cup, and they lost their way. And now they are maybe one of the five worst teams in the entire NFL. So who's going to have the season from hell this year? One of those candidates for me is the Chargers because it starts with the head coach. Let's go to Mitch in East Windsor. Hey, Mitch.
3: Hey, how's it, going? how's it going today? Happy uh,
4: happy weekend.
1: You too. Thank you.
4: Holiday weekend. Anytime. I think he's got so many good teams. A lot of the quarterbacks. I think it would just be two teams from each of those divisions. You know, I think Jacksonville is going to get that. They're going to win by division. And, and the Wild Cards, it would be spread evenly with the other two divisions. I think at least two teams are going to be really a good. He is, but it won't be in the playoffs. I think Justin gets in. And I think it's gone down to the Jets and
3: Dolphins. I mean,
4: look look at those two wide receivers for the Dolphins. And they added a running back, I believe. Uh with the just you know that wide receiver so fast and waddle too. Um at the one the one that they traded from Kansas City. That is just so much firepower. power. It's just so great uh so many great ways. So many good quarterbacks.
1: It is, Mitch. Thanks for the call. The uh, Dolphins have those two great wide receivers, but who's going to be throwing them the ball? Like I said, if you can guarantee me that it will be Tua for all 17 games or 16 games at least, then I do put them into the playoffs, probably instead of New England. But that is anything but a guarantee. Thoughts on the Giants and the NFC, and we'll take another look at the Martian, who's had quite the major league debut In Houston, as we head to break, Aaron Judge rounds the bases. The Yankees have put four over the wall tonight against Justin Verlander. Nice to stick it to an old friend, which the Yankees are doing tonight in Houston. Pat O'Keefe here on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: So a couple of things going on in Houston right now. Tom Bauer has just informed me that Giancarlo Stanton is sitting on 399 career home runs after his massive shot earlier in the game. Uh, he hit one up and over the tracks in left field at Minute Maid Park, and it smacked against the fence that covers the windows on the back wall of the stadium. Aaron Judge uh, nearly outdid him. He also sent it up onto the tracks. There's a little, um, you know, train car that uh, carries a, Thing of It looks like tomatoes or some sort of fruit or some sort of produce. And Aaron Judge, what, oranges?
2: Yeah, oranges. Those for, are uh,
1: oranges? Those look like tomatoes.
2: <laughs> oranges for Minute Maid ballpark.
1: Oh, that would make sense. <laughs> I could have sworn those were tomatoes. All but, right.
2: I mean, they sure do from, from the uh, very far camera shot that they have for Judge. I'll give you that
1: one. Minute Maid park. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Anyway, Judge's home run was number 250 of his career, He is the uh, fastest player in terms of games in Major League history to hit 250 home runs. It took him 810 games. The previous uh, record holder for that was Ryan Howard of the Phillies. But uh, of more significance in the Yankees universe is Judge with that home run moves into a tie for 10th place on the all-time home run list in a New York Yankees uniform. Tom, would you like to venture a guess? Yankee fan that you are, would you like to venture a guess who is now tied with Aaron Judge with 250 home runs as a Yankee?
2: Ooh. This is going to be a tough one.
1: It is a tough one. It's not an obvious one that's going to come to mind.
2: For whatever reason, Robinson Cano's coming to mind, but I don't think it's him.
1: Robinson Cano is 16th. He has 204. Older than Robinson Cano. The answer is Greg Nettles.
2: Oh, wow. I, I would not have gone that far back in time.
1: Yeah. So here, here's the list. Judge is 10th, and this is interesting. Number 9 on the list is, is interesting because he wasn't a home run hitter, but he spent 20 years in pinstripes, and that's Derek Jeter. Jeter has 260 home runs, so Judge should catch him probably at the beginning of next season. Ahead of Jeter in 8th place is Jorge Posada. In 7th place is Bernie Williams. And then in 6th place is Alex Rodriguez with 351 home runs as a Yankee. And then the top five on that list are, you know, the immortal Yankees. It goes from top to, from one to five. It goes Ruth, and then Mantle, and then Gehrig, and then DiMaggio, and then Yogi Berra, number five. But Aaron Judge has now moved into a tie with Greg Nettles for 10th place on the Yankees' all-time home run list. All right, um, Mets, by the way, took a lead on the Mariners in the bottom of the eighth inning. Are they going to the ninth there yet? I do not have Apple TV+. Plus.
2: Yes, they are in the ninth. Drew Smith is on to try and close the game out for the Mets. It's a 2-1 game currently.
1: Okay, against a red-hot Mariners team that's embroiled in a pennant race for the AL West title. 1-800-919-3776. So we talked a lot about the Jets' expectations, predictions for them. The Giants' schedule tougher than last year, but the Giants are better than last year. And... There's really not a lot of competition in the NFC. The NFC is so vastly different in terms of the level of competition from the AFC. So I go through the Giants' schedule where I see the Jets as 11 and six. I see the Giants as 10 and seven. And for the record, the Jets Giants game in the middle of the season, I gave that win to the Jets because I think the Jets. Um, I think the Jets are the better team heading into the season. And yes, I know that's a Giants home game, but they're both playing at MetLife Stadium, obviously. I pencil the Giants in at 10 and 7, and I do think that that is good enough to once again get into the playoffs out of the NFC. And just like I have three AFC East teams going to the playoffs, I have three NFC East teams going to the playoffs. For me, the Eagles are still the best team in the division, but a Dallas is a playoff team. The Giants are a playoff team. As far as the NFC North goes, it's not that I'm buying into the hype. I just liked the way that the Detroit Lions finished the season last year. And at the beginning of last season, when they buried themselves, they lost a bunch of winnable games. That was a team that probably should have gone 10-7, and 7, maybe even 11-6 and 6 last year. They were good enough to do that. They didn't, but the way they finished that season and the way the quarterback played – they got a lot of talent around him. If he can continue to play at that level, I like the Lions to win a very winnable NFC North division, and I have the Vikings as my third wild card team. Now I know everybody's expecting the Vikings to take a huge step back, and they will take a step back. They were 13 and four last year, but they still have the best receiver in football. They have a more than adequate replacement for Dalvin Cook at running back. They have one of the best tight ends in football. And they have a really good quarterback. Kirk Cousins is a top 12, top 13 quarterback. And yeah, they lost a lot off of a defense that wasn't great, but they brought in Brian Flores, who didn't have a tremendous amount of success as the head coach with the Miami Dolphins, but whether with New England, where he you know, made a name for himself last year in Pittsburgh, guy's always been a tremendous defensive coach. So what they lost in personnel on that side of the football, I think they more than make up for with the presence of Brian Flores. San Francisco, to me, wins the NFC West. NFC South, you've got to give it to someone. I'm going to go with the team with the most experienced play a quarterback, and that by far is New Orleans and Derek Carr. Desmond Ritter, I have no idea. I wouldn't be shocked if they won the division. I can't see Tampa Bay winning the division unless Baker Mayfield turns it back to 2020 and the Carolina Panthers might be the worst team in the NFL. They have very, very little talent around Bryce young and he has a long way to go. So the team for me in the NFC that I think a lot of people are buying and I'm taking a step back on is the Seattle Seahawks. Um, A lot of people think that the Geno Smith Renaissance last year was sustainable and not that he's going to go back to the guy who played for the Jets a decade ago. I just don't think that that was – I think that they won a lot of close games. I think they uh, played over their heads, and I, I don't see them sustaining that level of success this year. So I have the Giants at 10-7. and seven. I go Philly, Detroit, New Orleans, and San Francisco as my division winners in the NFC, with Dallas, the Giants, and the Vikings as my wild card teams one 800 let us go to Buddha in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? Hey, Pat. What's going
4: on, bro? How you doing? Good. Listen, I totally agree with you about the assessment of Bill O'Brien as a coach or offensive coordinator. Um, and I also agree with you, Justin Herbert. I mean, listen, I watch a lot of college football, and not only has he not won big games in the NFL – he hasn't won big games in college. I mean, at Oregon, I mean, every time they have one of them primetime games on, he's I mean, a Saturday evening. He always, he always came up small. I mean, not in stature, but in production, he reminds me of Tony Romo. He's going to put up good numbers during the regular season, but he's not going to, you know, he's not going to provide you with what you need in the playoffs. Uh, you know, that's just my humble opinion. Yeah, the, know, the I, of I comparisons agree with
1: Romo comparison's a good one because, like Romo, he looks good doing it. Like, Romo was fluid. He was an athlete. And same with this guy. He looks good doing it. And I do think that style points, when people are formulating their opinions, I think style points play into it.
4: Yeah, I mean, I just like production in a big spot. You know, I get to see him. Like I said, he's been in the NFL, what, three, four years. He was in college for four years. I I can't give you his signature moment in a big game. I I just can't. Now – but I would disagree with you on that when you were talking about, you know, the playoff uh, picture and how we the Jets fit in and all that. Look, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens, there's a possibility that all four teams those make it into the playoffs. Yes. But we know how these teams work. Injuries, you know, different things happen. I mean, last year, remember the AFC West? They were supposed to put three to four teams in. How'd that play out? Nice. So, you know, predicting all these things is, is, is uh, you know, it's not an exact science. But I'll say this much. You know, what the Jets need to do, really, like like the Chargers, they need to have a better record than the Chargers. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, they need to have a better record than those teams. But what's mostly paramount for them to get in the playoffs, to me it's very simple, Pat. You cannot be worse than the second best team in the AFC East, and you know that when you when when you secure that positioning, all those other things, all those other moving parts mean nothing. And you see, at some point, as Jets fans, as Jets as an organization, we've got to start looking at seasons from a strength based perspective. Not, I hope these guys don't play that well, so you know. They don't keep us from being in the playoffs and this and that. And you know where it starts, Pat? You know where it starts, you know, head, ultimately, Pat? You know, no, no, but I'm just saying in terms you're absolutely right there. But I'm talking about game-wise. It starts on 9-11. Yeah. You cannot have that home game where Buffalo comes in here and wins. Because whether or not you're able to rattle off a few wins uh, later on in the this is your benchmark point. You know, Salah talks a good game, you know, about how we don't want to be the same old Jets and all that. Then prove it. Prove it. Buffalo has had their own problems here. They've had their own problems. And, and um, Danny was talking to you about the coach from Buffalo, and he's not wrong about that. He's yet to prove that he can win a big game. They win the games they're supposed to win, but the games that are 50-50 in the playoffs, they haven't won those. So you have to win This game on 9-11. You start there with that, and that gives you something to build on. You let Buffalo come in here and beat you in your home stadium with all the banners and the proper circumstance flying all over the place, that's going to be a problem. And that will be a problem that will sit with
1: you for a few weeks. And on the, on the flip side of that, Buddha. and thanks for the call, the statement that it will make by winning that game in that spot on national TV, here's what I'll say. The Jets beat the Bills last year at MetLife Stadium, and they had Zach Wilson as their starting quarterback. Beat them with Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback. And, of course, you could hear that game right here on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You are listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: All right, so September 1st, a good baseball night so far. The Mets beat the Mariners 2-1, to one, and here's how it ended. Top of the ninth, Mariners get a leadoff walk, and then they send in a pinch runner, tying run, and he gets picked off of first base, and then a fly out for out number two, and then a base hit to center, and a strikeout. Drew Smith gets Ty French striking out to end the game, so the Mets beat the Mariners two to one. A very nice debut for Ronnie Mauricio, the uh, 22-year-old middle infield prospect who made his major league debut. Switch hitter who was playing second base got a couple of hits, including a double in his first at bat. As for the Yankees, they lead the Astros six to two in the bottom of the sixth inning. Jason Dominguez, second pitch he saw, first swing that he took sent one over the left field wall in uh, opposite field fashion off of Justin Verlander for a two-run home run in his first major league at bat. Austin Wells also got a base hit in his first major league at bat. Home runs for Aaron Judge, his 250th, for Giancarlo Stanton, his 399th. And Carlos Rodon went five innings, 92 pitches, Allowed two earned runs and struck out four, and has now handed the ball over to Randy Vasquez out of the Yankees bullpen. Couple more minutes here. Let's go back to the phones. Already in Brooklyn. Hey, Artie. Hey, thanks for
3: taking the call. I appreciate it. No problem. So, um, I, 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 I understand like where you're coming from with the Patriots with the coaching, and yet when you're, you when you're picking the Jets, you're picking them to to do well, but yet you're not really. We're not really sure on Salah unless you have a different opinion. On no, I think him, they have more talent. I,
1: I, a... I, I, I'm unsure on Salah. I picked the Jets because they have more talent than the Patriots and, and, and a lot of other teams.
3: Right. I mean, and, and when you when you handicap the Jets versus I'm a Jet fan, but when you handicapped it, I kind of think that because of the coaching, the Giants might have the edge in that. And I know the Jets are.
1: Thanks, Hardy, Um, I think if the Jets fall short of the playoffs, then Robert Sala will not be back as head coach. But I also think any coaching decisions that would need to be made potentially after the season, I think that's going to have to include a conversation with Aaron Rodgers because if Rodgers is willing to commit beyond this year, and it's probably beyond this year going to be one, maybe two years max, then Aaron Rodgers is going to have a say in to what kind of head coach he wants because if he doesn't if if, if you turn around and you don't hire the coach that Aaron Rodgers wants and he's not happy with the head coaching situation guess what he can do he can retire he had already contemplated retirement after last season so he's going to have a very big voice in that if that becomes a topic of conversation after the season but if the Jets make the playoffs this year Robert Sala has not really done anything to distinguish himself through his first two years. If he fails to make the playoffs with this team and this quarterback, then I can't see him back as head coach for the fourth consecutive year. Uh, Tom Bauer, Julian Kushnick, thanks for producing the show. Thanks to all the callers. Have a great and safe Labor Day weekend, everyone. I'll be back Sunday morning, 8 o'clock. Weekend wager with Anita Marks coming up next right here.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.